Hello everybody, and welcome to 38 Weeks to Go, your weekly podcast about fantasy football. I am your host Nash, let's go over Game Week 26. How was a blank Game Week for you? In a way, I feel like Game Week 25 and Game Week 26 were joined. It almost feels like you couldn't have had a great Game Week 25 and a great Game Week 26. Why? Because if you played it well, you probably double teamed your team. You stacked your team with people who are going to play twice. And then you would most likely have trouble having a full 11 to play this week. I was one of those people. I had just an average 79 points, something like that. Just, just above the average. But this week, I couldn't get rid of enough players. I took a hit of minus eight and I still had one player not playing. Not only that, I chose the wrong player. Well, to be fair, I lost minus eight and I got 11 points. So in theory, I was in the positive, but I ended up with 39 points. While the average for the week was 45, 46. So I had a less than average week. One of the reasons I had a poor game week is because I had Haaland as my captain and he is continuing to under deliver. When you're 14.0, five points is just too little, you know? The problem with Haaland isn't that he is not playing well. It's that we have last season to compare him with. He is still the league's goal top scorer, but we want more. And all the captainers know that. Having said that, he was a third best performer in my team. Watkins and Ederson Moraes were tied with nine and Haaland had five. The rest of my team was one, two, 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 zero. The zero came from Trippier. I thought it was funny until I looked at KDB who had zero. And I was like, oh, he didn't play? And then it turns out he came on for six minutes and got a yellow card. Not all zeros are made equally. I'm sorry for all of you that had him, especially for those of you who had him and then had Branthwaite on the bench because there are quite a few of you. Because that zero and that nine that Branthwaite got would have been so helpful. There were three high scores this week. Number one, Aston Villa, four, Nottingham Forest, two. Number two, Arsenal, four, Newcastle, one. And number three, last night's game, West Ham, four, Brentford, two. Kicking it off with Aston Villa. For this game, I decided to bring in Watkins. This is the first time Watkins is appearing in my team. And that boy saved me. With a goal and an assist, he got nine points. The best performer of the team was Douglas Luiz, who scored two goals. And Watkins got, uh, not Watkins, but Bailey got the other. I saw somebody have Bailey on their team and they had 12 points on the bench, but it was okay. Do you know why? They had used the bench boost. Arsenal 4, Newcastle 1. There was a time I was saying that Newcastle cannot beat the top six. Kind of like the way Aston Villa are. And it seems like Newcastle are just not the team that they were last season. I'm not sure if it's Champions League or if it's a combination of the injuries, but they have not been good after that first game where they defeated Aston Villa like 5-1. Since then, they have done nothing to inspire confidence. Newcastle are currently 10th on the table, and that is a very accurate position for them. 
funniest thing is that they have 37 points. Number 11 is Chelsea. They have 35 points. Just look how we have viewed those two teams this whole season. It's hard to believe we're talking about two teams that are so close in the table. Yet it has seemed like the end of the world at Chelsea. But for Newcastle, we haven't had that same view. Isn't it interesting, the expectations people have of teams? It's kind of like internally, we have not yet accepted that Newcastle are as good as they want to be. But for Chelsea, we are like, yeah, they should be doing better. They are a good team. They are a better team. Yet they were just beaten by children the other day. Arsenal, on the other hand, are unstoppable, it seems. The steamroller is just rolling all over their opponents, in the league at least. I'm not sure I can get away with one more weekend without having an Arsenal midfielder, be it Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, or even the unpopular Kai Havertz, who is low-key having a good season. Maybe Arteta was the one to unlock his potential. Arsenal were the better team. They were the dominant team. They fully deserved their victory. Havertz, Kiwior, Saka, and an own goal by Botman gave Arsenal the lead. We look, former Arsenal boy gave them the goal with an assist from Dunburn. I have Trippier in my team, and I'm sure some of you do. The thing with having Trippier is that you're not really getting him for the clean sheets, you're getting him for the attacking potential. He got zero in this game, so there was no attacking potential that was displayed. Arsenal were just immense. For all of you Saka haters, how are you feeling right now? You know who I'm talking to. You know who you are. Havertz had the assist. Martinelli had the assist. And Rice had the assist for Arsenal. So Odegaard was absent in this one. His only contribution was a yellow card. I thought they would have given Gabriel the assist for the goal, but it didn't work out my way. So that's unfortunate. It seems like Saka is the best bet in Arsenal. He is in incredible form right now. Havertz got the three bonus points. His goal and assist was enough. Saka had two and Rice had one. Rice must be such a good low-key asset to have. He was an expensive signing, but arguably the signing of the season. Aston Villa four, Nottingham Forest two. West Ham four, Brentford two. It seems like Ivan Tony's powers are finished. West Ham got their first win of the year with a Bowen hat-trick. You heard me, Bowen hat-trick. He has been quiet for a while now, but he decided to wake up with fire. He is determined to keep Moise's job safe. The other goal came from Emerson. And if you see that goal, that is a stunner, a beautiful goal. If you have not seen it, look for it my favorite of the weekend. So it was a Bowen hat-trick, Emerson goal. Assists from Emerson, Kufal, and Kudos. For Brentford, Mope and Risa scored. And they were also really good goals. The finishes were very top quality. Damsgaard and Lewis Potter had the assists. It's hard to believe that this is the same Brentford side that kept Man City to 1-0. They were just carved open. It's almost like they gave their all in that City game to lose 1-0. And then this game is like, eh, uh, okay. We don't mind being embarrassed because they were just carved out like, like schoolboys. The goals they conceded were just rather simple or easy. I mean, Bowen didn't complain, of course. Nor did Moyes. But if you're the manager, Mr. Frank, you'd be very upset with the nature of the goals that you conceded. 
from a fantasy perspective, it's now us wondering, okay, Bowen, do we bring him back? I don't know. Bowen had three points, Emerson had two, and Kufal had one. The most surprising result of the weekend was Manchester United 1, Fulham 2. One of the biggest revelations of the weekend, just before kickoff, was that Hoyland got injured and he's going to be out for around three weeks. So his seven-game scoring streak has come to an end. And for those of you who brought him in before knowing this, I am so sorry. It was one of those last-minute things. Having said that, if you watch the previous Manu highlights, they had been winning, but it was just like early in the season where they win. You're being told that they're the team in form. But then when you watch the highlights, you're like, this isn't a dominant performance. This is just them winning somehow. And even when they scored some goals, you'd be like, okay. And this game was something like that. They were not the better team. Fulham took the lead through some scrappy type thing. And Bassi ended up scoring a screamer from the six penalty meter spot. And then Maguire had pretty much a tap in. And then Adama Traore came on did what we know him best. He ran at Manchester United and they could not handle him. And he laid the ball for Iwobi and he scored into the net when Onana was just flat-footed. He couldn't move. Basi and Iwobi were at Africa Cup and I had said that they were very important for this team and you can just see why or how. It will be interesting to see how Manu handle this going forward. They have been good. They have had Hoyland carrying them and now you need somebody to step up. Will it be Rashford? Well, I don't even know if you can count on him at this point in time. I'm sure next season he'll be like six or seven, along with Fernandes. If you're that manager, Mr. Ten Hag, those are two people you sell come the summer. Because if you haven't seen the videos, just look for Rashford pressing. It's embarrassing. PSG see him as a successor to Mbappe. Somehow, somehow. Well, of course it's because of how Manchester United play against PSG. He seems to have a good game, so they think he's world-class. So if you're Manu, you just close that deal quickly. Fernandez had the assist for Manu, somehow. Adama and Castagne had the assist for Fulham. Iwobi had the three bonus points. Bassi and Castagne had two. There were three clean sheets this weekend. New boy, Mr. Glasner for Crystal Palace, got off to a great start with a 3-0 over Burnley. That was the first clean sheet. Man City defeated Bournemouth. Second clean sheet. And Wolves defeated Sheffield 1-0. That's a clean sheet as well. City won 1-0 and Crystal Palace won 3-0. The top performer this week in terms of fantasy points was Jared Bowen. He had 20 points. Number two was Douglas Luiz who had 15 points. Havertz was number three, tied with Richards, a defender for Crystal Palace, who had 14. Jordan Ayew was fifth with 13. If you think Crystal Palace are going to be good, Richards is a defender who is 3.9. Maybe he's going to be Glasner's man moving forward. He might be well worth looking into. But they played badly, so I don't know if that's an indication of anything. The top performing goalkeeper was Edison with 9 points. Jose Sa had 7. Johnston had 6. It's been a while since he's had many points like this. Peckford had 4 and Neto had 3. Not a very good weekend for defenders. So... When it comes to defenders, Richards was 14. Remember, Richards is a Crystal Palace player. We haven't talked about him this whole season. Number two was Emerson and Aitnuri, two left backs for their teams. They had 12 each. 
Dunk and Basi were tied with 10. Branthwaite had 9. Kiwior had 8. Akanji had 8 as well. And then you had Munoz from Crystal Palace. Castagne Dawson tied for 7 points. Midfield was where we saw the greatest returns, as has been the case all season. As I mentioned earlier, Bowen had 20 points. Douglas Luiz had 15. Havertz had 14. Ayu had 13. Bailey had 12. Foden had 11. Saka, Iwobi and Sarabia had 10. Gross, Mateus Franza from Crystal Palace. Gibbs White had 7. If you're wondering why I'm calling out the Crystal Palace, it's because I'm mentioning names that we haven't really heard before. And I just wanted you to know where they are from. And also to show you that Glasner is using his squad. He's testing out new players. So we might be having new differentials from Crystal Palace. You'd think the strikers are defenders. Their returns were so poor. Watkins, 9. Mope Mateta, 6. Wisa Haaland, 5. Awoni Origi, 4. Maybe it's time to look past Haaland and <laughs> try to look at the midfield. There are greater returns in the midfield. 39 was what I got. The average for the week was 46. The highest had 128. I just checked out his team. It feels like luck more than skill. Why? Because he had Salah as his captain in a week that Salah wasn't playing. However, he had triple captain Salah, so I don't even know what he was thinking. However, his vice captain was Jared Bowen. Remember how last week I was telling you guys that that return of Haaland wasn't spectacular. This is a spectacular return from one player in one week. He doubled Haaland. This triple captain got 60 points in a single game. And then his defense was interesting. His biggest point getters were Branthwaite, 9, Anderson, 6. And then he had Saliba, Trusty, and Ariola. In the midfield, he had a solid midfield. Saka, 10, was the poorest performer in his midfield. Foden 11, Douglas Lewis 15, and then of course his captain, Bowen with 60. Up top he had Solanke 2, and Watkins 9. In such a shitty game week, I am sure that he has climbed table positions. We had 16 of 24 players get above the minimum for the average. And so congratulations guys, it seems like at least more than half of us got a great return. Well, great is a strong word, but more than average. At the top of our table, in terms of points earnings, we had Washira Gitahi, who got 72 points. And we got Cheese Garnachos, who got 72 points as well. And then followed closely by Tommy Oladipo, who got 70, who really benefited from Branthwaite coming on. And then we have Melvin Asakanya, who had 67 points. And then Dennis Gadiga, who had 65 points. At the top of the table... Alexander Mutune had 54 points, and that helped him maintain his lead. Number two, we have a new number two, was goodness gracious me, who had 53 points. Vic City at number three didn't have a great weekend. He had 33 points. And number four is Why Are You Running, who had 39 points, so they didn't have a good weekend. So Leon in number two skipped over number three. Number one has 16 or nine points. 39 points behind him is Simnanijo at 15.70. And number three has 15.62, so he's just eight points behind number two. 
and eight points behind number three is why are you running? Number five is about 33 points behind number four. So there's a bit of a gap. At the bottom, it seems like Melvin will be the last the whole season because if Haaland continues playing, Jeremiah will just get away from him because Melvin is relying on Fernandes to have a good season. Out of those two, number 22 is Tim Kubwa, who got 33 points. He is nearly 60 points behind Jibril, who had that monster weekend last week. In case you don't know what I'm talking to, he had 110 points. Our weekly leaders are Gitahi and Mr. Cheese Carnachos. Now, Gitahi, the, the 72 points helped give him some space between him and Jibril, and it has brought him within one point of number 19, who is one point ahead of him. So this was good for him. As we look into the fixtures coming up this week, if you are one of those people who plan weeks ahead, then you should know that it's important to have an eye on the FA Cup fixtures on Wednesday. There will be very important matches played, not because the matches are important, but if the Premier League sides win, then Game Week 29 will have blanks. For example, Brighton and Manchester City will definitely not be playing. If Liverpool beat Southampton, that game will be cancelled. If Wolves beat Brighton, or if Bournemouth beat Leicester in the Cup, that game week of Wolves versus Bournemouth will be cancelled. If Chelsea beat Leeds, then the Arsenal-Chelsea game for Game Week 29 will be cancelled. If Newcastle win their Cup game, their game against Crystal Palace will be cancelled. If Manchester United win their game, their game against Sheffield will be postponed. If Luton or Nottingham Forest win their games, the match for Luton versus Nottingham Forest will be cancelled. As it stands right now, there are only three fixtures which will be played. West Ham versus Aston Villa, Fulham versus Tottenham, and Burnley versus Brentford. That is, those three fixtures are the only matches that are guaranteed as we speak right now. But after Wednesday, we will know more. This is important so that you can know how to plan to use your free hit if you haven't used it, or your wildcard if you haven't used it. So keep that in mind because that is going to be a weekend that really determines what happens. And that is just two game weeks away. Because as you know, it is game week 27 that we're looking forward to this week. Kicking us off this game week, we start with Brentford versus Chelsea. Chelsea are just coming off an embarrassing defeat to children from the Liverpool Academy, and Brentford have just been hammered by the Hammers. Both teams will view this as a great opportunity to bounce back. This is a kind of game in which it's tough to know who will win, but Chelsea have been in better recent form than Brentford, and because of that, I will be leaning more towards Chelsea players. Brentford have lost their last three matches, however, they've won their last two matches against Chelsea. Chelsea, for their part, haven't kept a clean sheet in six matches, and so that's not very encouraging. Mope, Wisa were recent goal scorers. Potter had an assist and Damsgaard. Add Tony to the list and those are the recommendations that I would give you from Brentford. Chelsea haven't kept a clean sheet in six games, so I would not be looking towards their defense. I would just be looking at their attack and you cannot pass Palmer if you're going for a Chelsea player. After him, I'm not sure why you would want to have more than one player, unless you're as deluded as my brother, Mr. Moses Chege. But if you have to, maybe Sterling? That's it. That's it. That's as far as I can go. Everton versus West Ham. Given West Ham's amazing game last night, 
they will be buoyed by this and they will be looking to cause a lot of trouble. West Ham somehow didn't lose against Brighton. The Red Card helped for sure, but their defense was good. They did create chances as well, to be fair to them, but they did play against 10 men. So it's a, a weird thing. Pickford was shaky. He made some questionable movements. However, you know, Everton just rely on the strength of their defense. But there was really great news for Everton this week. The initial points deduction has been reduced, and this has seen them rise up the table. So they're no longer in immediate threat of relegation as they had been. So that's good for them. That's great news for them. Buoyed by this, they might be more willing to take a risk moving forward. But given the limitations of their personnel, you're really looking at Dwight McNeil, Dukure, and if you have to, DCL. But you don't have to. Go Dwight McNeil, and then Dukure. You don't need more than that. And if you're already in the Everton defense, just keep whoever you have. If you have your Brunthwaite, he may be the lucky one to score. Because it must be said, Everton haven't won a game in six attempts. And an interesting fact about this fixture is that Everton and West Ham have not drawn any of their last eight matches against each other, so there's always a winner. West Ham, for their part, haven't kept a clean sheet in their last eight games, and they haven't scored in the two away matches that they've had recently. So it might be a good game for Everton? I don't know. It's going to be very interesting from a fantasy perspective. So definitely Bowen, if you're looking to West Ham players, is the man to take. If you want a second one for whatever reason, you would have to go with Kudos or James Watt Prowse. But they've all been in bad form recently, so you'd have to be really guessing to see who will be coming up. Their defense hasn't been great, which is why they haven't won for a while before this game. So choose carefully. Fulham versus Brighton. Fulham <laughs> have considered the most penalties this season. And so if Brighton just run at them, they're more likely to be given penalties. So that'll be something to be looking out for. If you watch the Brighton-Everton game, then you would know that they were unlucky to just have one goal. Even though that goal came in the 90 plus 7 minute. Now, Dunk has been great for them of late. I think he's scored three goals in the last five games. So he is somebody worth having. Our points leader this week, Mr. Washira Gitahi, has had him for the last two or three game weeks and he was our leader. These are the kind of decisions that make a difference. In their last three encounters, Fulham drew 1-1, Fulham beat them 1-0, Fulham beat them 2-1. They drew 0-0 and 0-0, and Fulham won 2-1. So, for whatever reason, Fulham have the edge. History shows that they have the edge. Will history be a guarantee of future success? Let's find out. If you are choosing a Fulham player, it will be, seems to be in good form. Munoz is in great form. Pereira, Ticudovarid, and William. I have seen many of our teams and many of us have Leno as our keeper. And this could be a game where he'll definitely be peppered with shots. In the three draws out of the five games I've played, two of them have been goalless. So there is potential for defensive returns in this game. If you're getting Brighton players, definitely do not get Billy G. Billy Gilmore, he is suspended. Thanks to the red card he got. Adingra had chances, so I won't be selling him. Welbeck was lively, but he missed some chances. Ansu Fati had the most shots in that game. Duncan Gross would be the best recommendations from that team, if I'm honest. And then the other three that I've mentioned. Newcastle Wolves. Their most recent five games suggest a split, with Newcastle winning two, Wolves winning two, and a draw. Newcastle are just not who they were last season. They are Chelsea. 
literally, they're just two points better than Chelsea. And so we need to change our mindset as to how we approach who they are, because we have been clouded for at least 27 game weeks. They really have only two players, Gordon and Trippier. And if you don't want that chance of a zero, it's really Gordon. So if that's not it, get out of them. For Wolves, you have Neto, you have Belgard, you've got that Korean guy, and Sarabia, who's been inserted into the lineup following Cunha's injury. And that's also about it. You can get Ait Nuri because he has gotten an advanced position on the wing. He has potential to be dangerous and to be a differential. So if you're a bit of a risk taker, look into him. Newcastle haven't kept a clean sheet in the last five matches. And Wolves are unbeaten in their last six away games. Nottingham Forest versus Liverpool. Nottingham Forest has scored eight goals in the last five matches, so they can score. And Liverpool's defense is not quite great right now. None of you would be surprised if I told you that. In the last five matches, Liverpool have won all five games. So Liverpool are overwhelming favorites for this game. However, their squad got further injuries in the game against Chelsea. If there's anything that has been proven by Liverpool players, it's that the system works and players come in and they just do what they're supposed to do. Now the question is, who will play? And will you pick the right one? If Salah is back, that'll be great. Luis Diaz will be there. After that, maybe you're just looking at a differential like Javi Elliott, a differential like Gakpo, you know? Maybe Bradley in the defense. It's really tricky after that. From the Nottingham Forest perspective, it's quite straightforward. You have Morgan Gibbs-White, you have Awoniyi, you have Elanga, and you have Callum Hudson-Odoi. That's it. No point getting into defenders for Nottingham Forest. Tottenham versus Crystal Palace. Glasner had a soft start and a good start. He took the best advantage you can. 3-0. Great result. Now he has a bigger test, a real test. Spurs. And this is where we'll be able to actually measure what he's doing and if they truly have assets worth investing into. Now, of course, we know that since the dynamic duo of Eze and Olise are down, you really know that their best asset right now is Ayu, followed by Mateta and then Edouard. But then also you've got this Richards guy who scored. You've got Franza who was creative in the midfield. So is that a real thing? Those are the things to watch when you're watching this game. Spurs, on the other hand, will be having Richarlison, Son, Werner, Kulevsky back. The thing about it is that since Son came back, it seems like their team is unbalanced. It's like they figured out how to play without him, and now they're trying to figure out how to play with him. And that is what I'll be interested in watching. I got out of Richarlison because of the blank game week and brought in a Dingra. I'm not going to bring him back in. But when game week 29 comes, maybe I will. Aston Villa versus Luton. Aston Villa have been great this season, and... They are dangerous. They have great fixtures. And this Luton one is a winnable fixture, even though Luton are a very dangerous team. I am not expecting them to keep a clean sheet in this one, but I'm expecting it to be high scoring. And if you're moving into Aston Villa players, Bailey, Watkins, Douglas Luiz are the first three you should be looking at. If you're looking into Luton players, Morris, Adebayo, Brown, but really, Morris Adebayo should be the first two. And then maybe Barkley. Luton, their form has dipped of late and they've lost their last three games. While Aston Villa are unbeaten in their last five away games. So I'm going to be leaning heavily towards Aston Villa for this one. 
we then have Burnley versus Bournemouth. Bournemouth are also entering a stretch where they have very many winnable games for them. And if you don't have Solanke, this is when you should be getting into Solanke. And then you try to see how good you feel about their defense. Maybe you bring in uh, Senesi, or maybe bring that other guy. It's called, it's called like Zabaranya, something like that. But if you don't want to look into the defense, then you can gamble with Tavernier or Scott or Semenyo or Billing or Clivert. But you see, those are too many. So just really Solanke and maybe Senesi. And if you are really feeling them, you could get the keeper Neto. Especially if you're looking to get out of Ariola or like a Pickford. Or like me, if you have a Dubravka and you're looking to get out of the Newcastle defense. Burnley were beaten and they had 10 men. So given that 3-0 isn't so bad, but that's who they are this season. They're just a team that doesn't help themselves. And I don't know how they will win this game. They can. And if they do, you have Foster, Amduni, Odoba to be looking at and Fofana. And that's about it. The key matchup of the weekend is the Man City Derby. I'm sorry, I mean the Manchester Derby. Man City have been the best in this fixture since Pep came. And I see no reason why this wouldn't continue. The question really is, do you want to be trapped in Manchester City players? Pep's rotation now is in full swing. KDB coming on for six minutes, getting a yellow card. Alvarez had played the whole season every game. Suddenly he's not starting even. I have removed him with immediate effect. I am not gambling on that anymore, especially since Man City are fit. A fit Manchester City is a problem because they have too many options. That squad is too deep. I see some of you, you have Ake, he plays, he doesn't play. You put in Akanji, he plays, then he doesn't play. You put in Walker, he plays, then he doesn't play. That is a real problem with Man City. At this point, it's only Edison and Haaland who are not subject to Pep Roulette. And... Those are really honestly the only two players I'd recommend. Manchester United have been unbeaten in five away games. But the last four times they travelled to the Etihad, they've only gotten one victory. But have conceded 12 goals. So history suggests that Man City will beat them. Initially I would have suggested Hoyland, but he'll be missing this fixture. I don't know if Rashford and Fernandes are the guys to rely on. Ganacho? Goodness. I don't know. This might be too big a game for him. From... A City perspective, I fully expect KDB to start. I expect Silva to start. And Haaland and Foden. Of course, Rodri. And those are the players I would recommend. The final game of this weekend will be Arsenal versus Sheffield United. I'm looking at this game and I'm thinking I must have an Arsenal player. It's just a matter of who, but I must have an Arsenal player because this game can be 10-0. Like, who would be surprised? Arsenal have been averaging 4-4-5. And they've been beating top teams. What will they do against this team? 7-8. I'm honestly expecting a whitewash. Like, this is done. They shouldn't even play this game. Sheffield should just apply to the Premier League to be docked three points. Just, I mean, a walkover. Because this is the surest bet of the weekend. With Arsenal right now, Saka is the best bet. Then you have, what's his face? Martinelli. Odegaard. Havertz, if Jesus plays, Jesus, it's just a matter of who plays, they will score. And I'm even thinking they'll keep a clean sheet at this point. If you have a Sheffield player, or if you think of bringing a Sheffield player, I don't know, you are either from the future or you're just wild. There's no reason to bring a Sheffield player, but if you must, 
It's really tough to recommend anybody because there's so many injuries. But I'd say McAtee and Hammer. And that's really it. And maybe McBurney if he's brought on. Otherwise, there's no reason to look into Sheffield. There really is no reason to look into Sheffield for this game. But in case you're just somebody who's thinking that you must, those are the only players I'd recommend. Everybody else is unavailable. And with that, remember to keep an eye out for the midweek games. Apart from that, have a great rest of your week. And we'll see you on the pitch. Bye.